You know what's true about this world? We like to celebrate flashy things. But what about courage? What about bravery? What about suffering? This is the place we give credit to what often goes unseen. This is the place we honor choosing grit. Ready? Uh, no. Hey, everybody. Hope you're well these days. Pumped for y'all to hear some of the story of my friend Monica Murphy today. Monica's made some appearances on here in the past during the Sandy checks we did in the very early days of COVID stay-at-home order days. But today you're going to hear more of her story about a journey that she went on the past few years in terms of finding work, finding a job that really suits her. This is something that might sound kind of familiar to you because in a lot of ways, Monica's story has really similar themes to the last interview I shared with my friend Steve about his struggle to find his thing. As you're going to hear, this is a very real struggle for Monica as well. While at one point she feared that in terms of a job, there wasn't really anything out there that she would genuinely enjoy that wouldn't be painful for her, essentially. So there are a few different areas I see Choosing Grit played out in this part of Monica's story. First of all, and what initially made me think of interviewing her actually was how hard she tried at one point to make a corporate job work with a well-renowned company in downtown Milwaukee that she just really, really didn't enjoy, despite having coworkers she loved and really great benefits. However, even though it was painful for her, Monica kept showing up and she gave it a fair shot for two years. Eventually, as you'll hear, and what I think, where I see the most grit played out in this area of Monica's life was when she ultimately chose to leave the corporate life behind to pursue a job that she was incredibly qualified for and and also kind of felt a draw to, but at the same time often avoided because of the structure of it all. That is teaching Spanish. In order to do this initially, while starting out as part-time, she had to make a lot of sacrifices. She moved home and made a lot less money. But now, as you'll hear, working full-time through a school, an organization that she really loves, it's obvious that it was definitely worth it. So whether or not you identify with this struggle of finding your thing or wondering if you have a thing, that might not be you. Some people kind of just always know what kind of work they're drawn to. I do think at one point or another, we can all relate to the experience of trying really hard to make something work just because we want it to work and maybe even to prove to ourselves a little bit that we can do it, whether it be a job or something else, while avoiding something that is actually really good for us and really suits us, but also freaks us out a little bit. And even if you can't relate to any of that, this is a fun conversation that I think you'll enjoy listening to. Hey, friend. Hey, girl. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Thanks for coming to my living room where you used to live. Yes. yes. Although you didn't live on this floor, did you? No, I was on the second floor. That's correct. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you're like our pseudo, you're our pseudo roommate. I still spent many a time on the first floor. Uh, how you doing? 
How's your quarantine? I've seen you. And also, listeners, you should be familiar with Monica's voice because she partook in three of our quarantine Sandy Check episodes. So you can go back and listen to those if you want to hear more about her. But general quarantine experience, how has it been Uh, for you? A mixture of difficult and goodness. Mm -hmm. Challenging because my dad uh, Mm -hmm. had a bone bone marrow transplant amidst uh, after he was diagnosed with lymphoma. And then my mom broke her hip as well. And just managing that. But good in that I somehow got a job that I now really like, which I never thought would happen. It just kind of fell into place. Mm -hmm. And I am really happy about being in Milwaukee for the first time since moving back. I always kind of felt like I had to go to a different city before committing to Milwaukee. But what's ended up happening is so far I'm committing to Milwaukee. And, you know, if that changes, that's okay. But I'm not super attached like I was before in terms of needing to leave. That's great. That's a lot. I know. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. And there's a lot that, okay, I definitely want to dive into more of that. But first, as a fun way to get to know you a little bit, as you know, we generally start with an icebreaker, but something very unique to you that I think really shows who you are is how fearless you are with online dating and you just told me some very helpful information (laughs) (laughs) about that whole world. So I'm going to make you repeat it. It is called the three P's, the three P's of online dating as in P as in Paul, P as in Paul. Um, The first P is pickiness, um, keeping in mind what your non-negotiables are and what your bonuses are, which is another way of thinking what is something you would appreciate but it doesn't have to be that's what a bonus is and then you have to be patient if you're being picky mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. inevitable and then the third is perseverance because if you're picky and patient inevitably you're going to have to persevere because mm-hmm. it's going to take time and it's going to feel like finding a needle and in a haystack ladies but um, I do want to reiterate that I've heard of many people finding pe- finding their spouses through <laughs> online dating. So it's possible, but I just recommend those three Ps. Yeah, yeah. we. Uh, I feel like you need to do an entire podcast about that. But uh, I would if I had time. Believe me, I would start a podcast like you, Carrie, but that's just <laughs> not what's in the cards right now. Someday. You need to. Mm-hmm. Um, great. So, so going back to the work aspect that you brought up, as, as you know, or I think you know by now, because I know you're kind of a listener, the definition of grit is courage, resolve, and strength of character. And I know that since knowing you, something that you went through that really called for a lot of that, and then I saw you um, having to practice grit for was, was it your first job out of school or it was my first real job? Your first real job. I worked, I worked in campus ministry for two years at two different college campuses and it was definitely a real job, but according to what people typically think in terms of what a professional career is and what a professional life is, it's not your cookie cutter kind of situation. It's not in the corporate world which is what i did Mm -hmm. when it was really hard yes so you did two years of ministry and then you jumped into this job that was 
very, very difficult. And then not, not, not just like a job that you don't really enjoy, but like, as your friend, I remember it like really put a toll on your mental health. (laughs) So yeah, I, let's start with what, what exactly was this job? I laugh now because looking back, like if I just stated what the job is, it's not that big of a deal, but interiorly I was dying. Mm -hmm. So it felt like the worst thing ever to Mm -hmm. endure. Mm -hmm. Um, The job was working in a call center. So, you know, you think of those individuals you call when having to deal with insurance, Mm -hmm. when having to deal with um, cable, when having to deal with internet cable, that's kind of archaic, but whatever. Um, Yeah. And you think, and you think of the feelings you have as a client being frustrated and wanting to take it out on the person you're talking to and forgetting about Mm -hmm. the fact that that is a human person. Mm -hmm. That is an individual with a life and potentially they're just there because that's how they can get into the company or they are there because they're perfectly content with just being there and it's fine. Um, Or they're just like, yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of peoples, but essentially you're talking to a person and you were at one point talking to me, except mm-hmm. it was with life life insurance. So, so you were like that person <laughs> people call when life insurance at the bar, bottom of your insurance card, it says, call this number 888, whatever, if you need help. That well, was you. Yeah. You don't have that for life insurance. You don't get, you usually don't get a card for life insurance, but (laughs) if you got your annual policy statement for your life insurance and you wanted to understand your death benefit, or you wanted to understand a loan interest bill you got from your life insurance policy, which is for a different podcast, that would be way more boring than this, Mm -hmm. that I will not go into. Or if you were a salesperson that sold life insurance policies. Mm. At least you're a life <laughs> insurance pro now. Yeah, yes. I know. That was one Very benefit that came from it. <laughs> so. so what what led you to work there in the first place? Why did you choose that? Yeah, uh, my dad, he's an accountant, so like, very much of the mindset of like, you want to find a job that mm. is what pays well, gets you benefits and um, helps you prepare for retirement and such. Um, Mm -hmm. and my mom was an advocate for that as well. And then the other part, um, I don't know. I think there was a, there was kind of like, a an attraction to working in corporate. Like you get to wear business casual clothes Mm -hmm. and you get to have a desk. Um, even if that is a cubicle, (laughs) um, there's a certain sex appeal to it. Uh, I don't think the headset was part of my vision, but yes, I did get a headset, (laughs) but ultimately it was Spanish because I was applying to figure, like I was trying to figure out how could I use Spanish in a corporate setting. And that was one position I could in the call center. And I didn't, they actually didn't hire me for Spanish. They hired me for just the English call center position. Um, but I still took it because I'd been looking for six weeks and I just really felt like I needed money mm. and guarantee a paycheck. And, it was just, and so that was there. Yeah. I heard it was a good company to work for. Mm-hmm. So I took it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said yes. So Monica's 
very fluent in how many languages too? I can speak Spanish, Portuguese, and English. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the draw, but the, but you weren't even necessarily. They didn't hire me yeah. on for Spanish, <laughs> but I was like, okay. you know what? I need a job, so I'll yeah, just yeah, take yeah. it. I tried to convince myself that there was a spiritual aspect to it to make it altruistic. I was like, I got to learn how to mm-hmm. just kind of grind and huh. that will be fine. Um, offer it up. Yeah, offer it up. But then also um, coming from ministry, your job wasn't a 40 hour week. It was a 60, 80 hour week. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was fun. So it didn't always feel like 40 hours, but it was, it kind of sucked that all your evenings or most of your evenings were gone. It's hard to differentiate from work and life. life. Yeah, very blurred lines Mm -hmm. in that regard. So to work in corporate, I was looking forward to just having that barrier, a very strong barrier between mm-hmm. where I worked yeah. and where I lived. And so me looking at corporate world from the outside, I was like, okay, I'll finally get my life together. I'm now starting to become an adult. Mm. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So initially thrilling and then... I guess, when did you get to the point or where it was, or when, when did it get really, really hard? Cause I'm just, I'm thinking of when I saw you at your worst, when it was like anxiety producing <laughs> constantly, yeah. but was it like that the whole time? Honestly, I pictured myself suffering before I even said yes to the job. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be imprisoned in a cubicle mm. and the cubicle will be my new prison cell. Like mm. I really, I thought, but then the uh, part of me was like, Monica, that's you being over traumatic. Could you just, could you stop? Just say yes to the job. So I said yes to the job and mm. I, it was affirmed that yes, it, the cubicle felt like a mm. prison cell. <laughs> it's so silly saying now because so many people do it and they're fine, but it really, felt um it wasn't you it wasn't me and like i had five months of training on how to use over 20 20 to 30 computer systems Mm. that had to do with servicing life insurance inquiries requests transactions oh it just it sucked i hated training training was very boring very dry i would draw really big um celtic signs on my OneNote <laughs> and on my desk, we would have two desktops, our laptop, actually we'd have three. And on one of my monitors, I would draw really big Celtic uh-huh. knots. And I had this feeling in the back of my mind that I should probably stop doing this, that this is not professional. And on my way driving to work, intuitively, I felt like I was going to be corrected that day when mm. I was going to get to work. Like my, one of my teachers was going to pull me aside and say, Monica, mm. you need to stop drawing Celtic knots. I got to work that day. And one of my teachers called me to the back of the room and she said, Monica, I noticed that you've been drawing these, um, what are they called? Uh, Celtic knots. Could you stop? And I felt so embarrassed. Uh, I was like, wow, that was really unprofessional. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of started to seep into the anxiety behind the job, which was I need to be this kind of person that is striving to climb the corporate ladder and Mm -hmm. be aware of, I don't know, I put way way too much weight on it because I'm an individual who really likes to go above and beyond. And Mm -hmm. in that kind of job setting, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. good because 
I was trying to make the shoe fit. It was never meant to fit. It was always a nine and a half or it was always a size 10 mm -hmm. and I'm actually 10 and a half and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by the fact that <laughs> I'm a 10 and a half. So I tried to fit the 10 and it just, it did not work. Great analogy. I want to, <laughs> uh, I really want to do a spinoff into how you find shoes, but <laughs> <laughs> so you did the five months of training and then did you feel like you had to give it a shot? for real outside of training. Yeah, because then you have to see how does the job fit. Yeah. And that was really draining, really exhausting and really difficult. There were a lot of days I cried mm. and I just felt very inadequate and incapable of doing the job, mm. which is normal. But because I took it so personally and because huh. it just felt so such like an attack was a further, uh, affirmation That's or really interesting, a, yeah. just another reason why I needed to leave there because I took it so personally. I couldn't be in that job and not take it personally. This is so fast. I just had, I just did another interview like two hours ago and it was very similar about doing something that you aren't enjoying being made worse by the fact that you you're like trying to prove something to mm -hmm. yourself. You're trying you to make it work pressure. and it's, it's not meant to work. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you felt like you were bad at it. Yeah, I felt like I was really bad at it. Or if a customer was rude to me and abrasive. You took it personally. Yeah, even though it wasn't my fault. Because mm -hmm. you would be correcting errors that salespeople made through 30 years ago. All they have is mm -hmm. you on the phone to be mad at. Because mm -hmm. you represent the company. So they're going to take it out on you. Yeah. And that really caused me. That caused me a lot of interior stress. Yeah. Were there other factors that made it hard? besides the work itself? Um, I think just the fact alone that my job was to be on phones and that's it mm -hmm. was very uh, sometimes paralyzing, which again, I know is really overdramatic, but it just, mm -hmm. um, or it just feels really ridiculous to say, but that's just kind of how my soul felt. And you could find a passion, like, right? Like there is good in the job. You're helping people understand their product. You're helping people. And that was definitely something that got me through it. Like I'm helping explain to somebody how their product works. Mm -hmm. They've been paying for it for years and didn't understand how it worked. Now they know how it works. Or once I eventually did get to the bilingual line. So I did eventually work my way cool. to yeah. speak on the Spanish line. Mm -hmm. I was helping resolve that language barrier. And that was very rewarding. Mm -hmm. My team was so fun. I loved my team. One of my best work friends, we had lunch every day together. So like we became really close and we'd also go on a walk every day mm -hmm. um, for a 15 minute break. And um, then another girl would join us on our lunches and my boss too, he like was trying to bend over. Once I was honest with him and told him I didn't like where I was and I wanted to try to make it work in the company and find a different position that could work with my personality and my interests mm -hmm. and my goals. He tried to bend over backwards and helping me network and meet other people. And so I, that made it so much better to just be like upfront and honest with my supervisor and be like, I yeah. hated this job. I thought that was like a very taboo thing to do in corporate to mm -hmm. say like, I hate what I'm doing. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Can you help me make this work? And if he didn't have that attitude, if my coworkers weren't as awesome, I would like to think I would have been out of there way mm -hmm, sooner. Mm -hmm. um, but like also in order to survive, 
that kind of job, I needed a lot of extracurriculars. So I did a lot of improv. I was in a band. Mm -hmm. I socialized as much as I could. Yeah, I really tried to make it work because I was really struggling with what it meant to be an adult in in, Mm -hmm. in today's world. And I was convinced it had to do with putting up with a corporate nine to five boring job. And it can be good if that's where you're meant to be. That's the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to knock on it. Like, it's a space for a lot of people for that reason. Like, or it, some people are just in a place where they need a certain income. And yeah, and it could be great for that. How did it affect the rest of your life to have to have this job that you were struggling with? I had a so lot much. of anxiety because mm-hmm. I just hated it so much. The only escape I could see was moving. Yeah, you freaked us all out. I know. Yeah, at least twice I said I was going to move to New Orleans. One time I was actually really serious about it, and then my anxiety got so bad I couldn't eat for like two weeks. About the move? or It just, yeah, it spoke to a bigger issue, which was I didn't know what I was doing with my life, and I was afraid I was going to be there forever. And I remember one of my dear mentors is a professor at UWM, and I was telling her, I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to move to Columbia. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. (laughs) And I was telling her, if it's aligned, it's aligned with my goals because of X, Y, Z. And she ended up really challenging me to be like, okay, you're going to go abroad. But for what reason? Like I knew interiorly there was a problem. Yeah. And I didn't know how to fix it because I was so passionate about languages. I felt like well, I should probably live abroad. I should be in a different country or I should at mm-hmm. least be in a different city. But it was, it felt like I was facing an existential crisis. Yeah. Was it primarily being afraid that there was not something out there that you were actually called to or yeah. could be good at? You nailed it on the head with mm-hmm. that statement you just said. I was afraid that there wasn't actually something out there for me because I was, it's, yeah, it came from this fear of like, I can't actually be satisfied in life because I'm just going to always hate what I have to do to make money. And it was really frustrating because that's how you're going to spend a lot of your time. So wouldn't it be nice if you liked it? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, and it, some of that almost has an implicit entitlement, an implicit sense of entitlement, because not everyone has the right to mm-hmm. pursue a job in that way. But I was like, I have to have that right, correct? Like, I have to. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Huh. But. Was it... Yeah, it's interesting in your case because you you do have so many things you're passionate about. And even at that time, it seems like you knew you had things that you wanted to do in terms of like something with your languages yeah. and something maybe with your music. Yeah, I was essentially avoiding teaching. I Now huh. that I'm teaching language, I knew in the back of my mind I should try teaching. Oh, but I, I didn't try it after ministry right away because I wanted a break from having a job that was outside of nine to five. Like I wanted yeah. to just have a job that had a very clear barrier. But when I nervously took on the part-time teaching language job, mm-hmm. uh, teaching Spanish job, um, I was so nervous because I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. But while I did it, I actually liked, I liked it, Mm -hmm. you know, part of me felt like, I don't know if I'd want to do it all the time because it's a lot during the school year. 
-hmm. But when my friend came to me about a job that I have now where I'm teaching full-time Spanish, which is Mm -hmm. so exciting, um, it was just a perfect fit. I mean, the students, mostly, most of the students speak Spanish fluently at home. So I was going to have the opportunity to really dive into Spanish and actually speak fluently Mm -hmm. and read books with the kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just... So eventually you decided you just had to stop the other job. Right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. for back to why I left the corporate job was because I got to a point where, and this was right after when I was trying to tell, like when I was going to move to New Orleans and I got all that anxiety. Wanderlust. I realized, yeah, a lot of wanderlust. I was like, I just need to make a change. And so I just took up the opportunity to work part-time as a teacher. And I moved back home. And I was in a couple bands and mm-hmm. trying to record music. Um, so you eventually you just went for doing what like you kind of felt called to anyways, but you were. Yeah, sure. I was dragging my feet and I eventually <laughs> I, I did it. You gave up. I gave to be a corporate. Yes, I gave up the dream. Sad. Yep. I mm-hmm. gave up the dream to be um, Anne Hathaway and Double Wears Prada. <laughs> In fact, she actually quit it, didn't she? So anyway. you, that's the story of your life. Uh, okay, so for the sake of time, fast forward to now. Yeah, so fast forward to now. Teaching part time for a year. Yep, a year. K four to eighth grade Spanish at a parochial school, and then you um, realize there's something there. So then, when the quarantine hit, I was you know teaching from home, and within a couple weeks of the shutdown, I got a text from a friend of mine saying that the Spanish teacher was at her school was moving up to administration. And so now there's a Spanish teacher position available that was full time Mm -hmm. at her school. And would I be interested? Mm -hmm. And it was first through eighth grade. And Mm -hmm. originally I was kind of hesitant because I was set on applying to grad school. I wanted to try Mm -hmm. to be a professor in languages. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was hesitant to apply. But when I talked to her more about the school and also the fact that the Spanish program was more fluent because it was for students that were more fluent natively. Um, I was totally on board to at least apply and the interviews went really well. Mm -hmm. Um, The more I talked to, the more like I learned about the school and the community, I really wanted to get a part of it and it just kind of worked out. And I got the job. That's amazing. (laughs) Amidst the pandemic. Yeah. Which like while I worked at the corporate job, I can't tell you how many times I did job seeking. And then finally, I wasn't looking. Someone told me about this job. I applied. It worked out. It just felt very providential. So cool. It was really cool. cool. And now you're a week, two weeks in? I'm a week into teaching, three weeks into the job because we had two weeks of professional development. All virtual. But yeah, how does it feel on Zoom? Um, it's awesome. I part of me he- is hesitant because I'm like, it's so much work and it's a lot to just bear on the shoulders. But you also have to recognize that you're human. You have to take care of yourself. And mm-hmm. all you can do is do the best you can do and let go of what you think your idea of success is and just roll mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the kids already. I'm so Yay. excited to continue to get to know them. The staff is so welcoming and so friendly and so great. And That's I just so love great. how mission oriented the school is, like getting to know the families, reiterating that the teachers and the parents are a team to help their child succeed and Mm. really trying hard to not let any student fall through the cracks, striving for excellence, Mm -hmm. speaking 
mucho español. A mí me encanta el idioma. I just love the language okay. and it is such a blessing. And don't get me wrong, there's still struggles that I go through right now, but um, yeah, the fact that I'm not existentially dealing with, or the fact that I'm not dealing with this existential crisis of like, what am I called to do mm. and what is the meaning of life? When you leave college and they ask you, what are you doing? It has this implicate, like this implicit, like, what are you doing now for a while? Mm. But it's not, what do you want to do for your life? It's what is something, even if it is, what could you stomach doing to make them, to make some money? Mm. Um, and then be grateful for that. Mm. If you even have, if you have the ability to at least control that, like, what can I stomach doing mm. rather than doing your version of hell? Yeah, it was a personal hell for me, yeah. that job. But I loved the people. And yeah, you could try to find a mission, but it wasn't meant to be. But at least you yeah. tried on that shoe, you know? And I like, I, I tried like, on the shoe, it didn't fit. I like that you're saying now too, like, it's not that your current job is always easy and fun or whatever, but there, yeah. there's enough good and enough enough of it that's really life-giving to, to put up with that. Yeah. Maybe a year from now, I'm going to be like, mm, not the best fit. I'm confident that there's something even better than, like, that will fit mm. better and I'll find it and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it'll be fine. It's not, it, mm -hmm. I won't die because I don't like it. Like, that's definitely was a learning point for me. When you left corporate, did you have the teaching thing lined up already or was it just like, yeah. So, okay. And it was, it felt really risky to quit my job for a part-time job with no benefits. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the time I hadn't fully resolved to living at home. That, that felt like a struggle too. Like, where was I going to live? Was I going to still be at my apartment? Was I going to move back home? And that felt really humbling to move yeah, back home. But yeah. also again, like so grateful that I could be home with my parents. That, like, I think yeah. we forget sometimes our position in society and how not everyone has that opportunity mm -hmm. to try out for a year, a couple years after graduating a different job and for see sure. if they like it. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you have a job, that you feel like at home with how has it affected the rest of your life mm. is there a difference um well i was really toiling with being a musician so i kind of have to let go of the fact that it's going to be a slower mm. progress but it's also like i gotta do my school things and i gotta mm. go to bed on time mm. and i gotta eat well and i gotta <laughs> exercise so it's it's a lot but, but you're still like you're still overall a lot happier yeah i am even though it's a lot more because the corporate job, you know, you would have, I, I also had free lunch. So, you know, I like this so much more. I just yeah. love how you can create a lesson plan. You can build relationships with the students, the families, cool. with your coworkers. You can be part of a mission, but focusing more on, am I being the best educator I can be? And mm. that's something that's really, um, I like that challenge. Yeah. Loving the people and the environment yeah. you've been placed in. Well, the Jesuit education values. So being loving, being religious, mm. being committed to justice, seeking intellectual excellence, and being yes. open to growth. I Way think I named them all. Those Jesuits. Those are the things that <laughs> we got to strive for as educators and students. So it's such a good example of like when you do have that privilege to choose just how, how much having that privilege affects your whole mental health when you can land a job that you have an education and the skills to do versus 
when you just take one. Yeah. Because you need money, which mm-hmm. a lot of people have to do. Mm-hmm. Or like if you had kids, you know, if you have kids, you can't just, you know, leave and try something out. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to stick with it. Right. So I had a lot of opportunity to be able to escape it. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can better serve in your yeah, real and, house. And to not feel guilty if you have that opportunity, mm-hmm. but use that to be able to give back or yeah. use that to be able to give of yourself. I think the theme for me this year is being a gift just kind of embrace that I have a huge passion for Spanish. And didn't you say one of the kids didn't want to leave the Zoom? Yeah, I had a kid who was like, because I said goodbye to all the students. And I was like, okay, you guys got to leave. And one kid said, oh, but do we have to? And it just like melted oh, my heart. I was yeah. like, oh, that's so precious. Um, <laughs> anything else you want the world to know about your story? Um, I think uh, just trusting in the slow work of God. That's something I needed to hear a few years ago, but just trusting in like things will come together, Mm. um, but you just can't see it right now, especially if you're in a position where you're not where you would like to be. Just trying to be with God in that and receiving, like trying to do the best I could, failing a lot, but (laughs) sometimes succeeding and just going to work with a smile on my face, even though Mm. it killed me (laughs) interiorly. (laughs) I did have some fun conversations. And like, (laughs) I still can't reiterate enough how much I loved my team. Random Um, group you wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Wonderful. Final question, which you've probably touched on a lot of this already, but one thing getting you through 2020. I think just accepting the word accepting and adapting. Mm. You just kind of have to accept that it's happening and adapt to it. And you and trust that you will adapt. Two A's, the two A's of COVID, <laughs> you accept and you adapt. Not to be confused with the three P's of, <laughs> of dating. online dating. Yeah, not the three P's of <laughs> online dating, but the two A's of date, uh, the two A's of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank Chica. you for having me. Gracias. Chiquitita. Gracias por, por la conversación. Sí. I'd say for y the conversation. Su, por la charla. Yeah, por tu presencia. Great. Thanks, everybody. Who knew you were going to get online dating expertise in this episode, huh? As always, you can find me on the socials under I Choose Grit, Facebook, Instagram. You can go to my blog, ichoosegrit.com, if you want to know more about my story and what this space is about. My first episode of the story of Carrie also goes into that as well. And if you want to support me in continuing to do this project more long-term, you can find the link to my Patreon in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash I Choose Grit. And if you want to know more about Monica and hear some of the music she's made, you can find her Facebook page for her music under Monica Murphy Music. I think that's it. Take care of yourself, everybody, and talk to you soon. God bless. When I did the Irish accent, I was like, thank you for calling this company. My name is Monica Murphy and I'm here to help you today. Could you please provide me your policy or account number?
well, that joke's on me because it's not the Devil Wears Prada. I bought all these awesome business casual clothes. I did. My mom did. My mom bought a lot of my clothes. Thank you, mom. And then two weeks within working there, they changed their clothing policy to dress for your day, which <laughs> meant just dress however you want. 